A leader, a great leader does not need to be technically sound in the area that he or she has been chosen to lead. It sounds weird to say, clearly it's a benefit if they are authorities in the technical space that they're operating in. But it's the leadership skills that are critical here because you already technically have a team of technically sound people. Correct. The critical thing now is how to mobilize and um, unlock all that they have together to have them work as a high-performing team. Welcome to the What Next Podcast, hosted by Sean Reed, where we pay it forward through conversations. Each week, we will bring you an inspiring person or message to help you on your journey to discover what's next for you. How is your mental health today? Today, sitting here, um, I feel great. Um, in terms of where I am mentally, I am in a place of such gratitude. Um, I think that if there was ever a theme for me for 2022, it's gratitude. Um, even just driving, just get driving home this morning after I dropped the kids at school, and I had just delivered um, a, a, a photography job to a client, um, kind of in the nick of time. Um, so, you know, slaved through the whole night, got it done, and have a whole heap more. So, oh my goodness, if there are any clients out there who are listening to me and hearing this and wondering where they worked, a joke. <laughs> um, it, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. Um, but I thought about where I was four years ago. And where I am today is really a place that I could have only dreamt of because I am coming from a very, very corporate background. I am coming from a very traditional upbringing and a traditional way of planning out your life to say, oh, all right, so you came out of school, you came out of high school, you're going to do a degree. Um, you're going to university. What are you going to do it in? I just know I need a degree. So what do I like? Um, I like psychology. Sounds about right. Actually, no, not even. I mean, there was really no straight path to anywhere that I've ended up. Um, so that's why I'm a big believer in just enjoying the heck out of the journey. Because, I mean, you really can only plan so much. And really and truly, we have no clue what the big picture is. The younger we are is the worse it is. We really have zero <laughs> visibility. So why are we making decisions that will then take us through the rest of our lives? It's just not practical. Yeah. But we have to start somewhere, right? So you take our first step and then you put another foot in front of the other and you walk. So I left. I went to school, meaning left high school. I am a product of both Immaculate and Andrews. Um, and my Immaculate girls will cost me for the Andrews bit and my Andrews girls will cost me for the Immaculate bit. But it's good. I'm a perfect hybrid, right? You're and fully, I'm the better skilled. for knowing both and the better for having experienced both. So that's my caveat. Um, and I jumped into my master's, not my master's, sorry, my bachelor's that was supposed to be in IT. I actually started out wanting to do <laughs> IT. And there were a number of things that just totally derailed that plan. And I ended up going through my first year of university in linguistics. Linguistics? What? Yeah, well, that was just because my plans for IT were derailed. I was like, let me just pick something else. And during that first year, I was like, all right, you know what? I really have a... Um, I have an affinity for, you know, figuring out how the mind works, how people work, what makes people tick and, you know, how to, 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 whether it is it you, 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 you want to find the best way to serve a certain population, or if it is that you want to find goods and services to fit a particular population or whatever psychology comes into anything that you have with any kind of human relations. So, you know, I'll be working with people. It's likely. Psychology sounds like it. Then I said, okay, you know, what's a great um, compliment to psychology? Well, um, HR sounds like something I'd <laughs> probably do, you know. And, I mean, how hard can it be? <laughs> well, again, this young and fool, um, lack of visibility. But I jumped into it and said, you know, this is it. And I loved it. 
And then I added sociology as a double minor. And then I graduated. I was like, all right, good. And then I said, okay, I forgot to look at work. Mm -hmm. um, and again, following the traditional path, got into my first job at Port Authority of Jamaica and was put expecting that I was going to get a job in HR because that's what I did. Where else could they put me? Right. They put me in port security. <laughs> and I had friends who teased me long and hard about um, what exactly I was securing at the port. If it was the filing cabinet, <laughs> I got a friend who said, oh, you know, yeah, man, you have two dog ribs back and whatever, and you have the little flashlight, and I saw you guard the file. And I, you know, I... I, I I cried that day when they put me in port, of, in port security because I was like, what? Did you not see my resume? No, we're putting you in port security. Best thing ever. Best thing ever. Met the best people ever. Had the most fun I've ever had in a corporate job. Learned nice. so much about the maritime industry. Nice. Um, got to work very closely with, um, well, my, my, my former, I'd like to call him a mentor. He probably doesn't even know how impactful he was on me. Superintendent James Forbes was a master leader. And he just threw me out. He just, he just put me out there. I was never a fledgling. I was never a neonate in his head. He's like, look, you have sense. You're going to go out. I'm going to give you this assignment. You're going to do it. You're going to come back and tell me what you've done. So I was out on the ports, running up and down. I was a part of... Um, I don't know if you've if you've ever heard of the pallet scanners and the mm -hmm. um, and the the X-ray machines that yeah. they had. You know, I was a part of that project. I mean, just couldn't see all of this. So when they now turned around and said to me, "Oh, by the way, there's no one opening in HR. And we're putting you in HR." I cried <laughs> again. Yeah. Um, fast forward to you know going through that, I felt that you know great company. Um, traditional, very traditional, coming from, it, it is quasi-government, I did feel that there were aspects that, um, you know, could have, you know, had some fresh life breathed into it, but I was then seen as young and, you, you just come, we right. are go, calm down, take it easy, you know, just learn and thing and thing. And then I realized, you know, that time um, was probably not my time to be there. And so I started looking elsewhere, wound up at Grace Kennedy um, in insurance, in HR, but in insurance. Mm -hmm. Fast forward six months from there, ended up in the corporate office um, for the Grace Kennedy, the GK Investments Division, working with the head of HR for GK Investments, and the CEO, which was at the time Mr. Webby. Um, so the CHRO was Mrs. Claudette White, now Dr. White. Mr. Webby was the CEO. And I just had to just start learning real fast and just absorbing and absorbing and absorbing. Interestingly, there was just something missing for me. And I was like, yeah, this is... I'm, I'm beginning to understand what that whole concept of, you know square hole round peg or yeah, you know round yeah. hole square peg goes it just wasn't the perfect fit for me but it felt like this was what i should be doing because this was the traditional way yeah. and um i couldn't quite put my finger on it but i started planning out my life all right well you know i'm now an assistant an hr assistant then i moved to hr officer then i moved to senior hr officer um the next thing to do was to do your master's. So I said, all right, well, I'm going to go do my master's. And I said, you know what? Um, I've been a, a budding entrepreneur of sorts all that time over the years. And I said, you know what? I don't think I want to do a master's degree in HR. I think I want to do an MBA. Um, so I have a business background. Um, and then do HR as the concentration. Mm -hmm. So that will kind of make me a little bit more versatile. Um, and actually enable me to know how to run my own businesses um, because I intended to do more business as I went. And I just kept going and I was just like, but it still doesn't quite feel like my fit. I was doing well at it. I had great mentors. I had great relationships. They were pushing me through. Um, I was learning a lot. I was meeting a lot of people. I ended up now in the corporate office at Grace Kennedy working with the CHRO. Um, for the group, great relationships there too, 
just still felt like something was missing. And interestingly, after I finished my master's, I had, we had Zara, my, my first daughter, first child, daughter Zara. And here's a funny thing. When I got married, we have the same wedding photographer. Right. When I got married, I was so blown away by his style. I was so blown away by how different he made. He moved, he moved photography in my head from what I just saw available and what everybody else was doing to just this whole international quality of um, photography and it being an experience, not just stand up in front of camera and say cheese, you know? <laughs> And he blew me away with my wedding photos and he just blew me away generally with everything about how he did his business. And I had always had a love for photography. Um, but it was just, uh, you know, it was a hobby. It was like, yeah, you're the one who take picture when you have family things. That kind of, that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. And Zara was my catalyst. Um, when I had her, I was like, oh my goodness, we have a baby. I need to take as many pictures as I can. <laughs> I need a proper camera. Yeah. And I went and I, I bought a Canon G15 and I just started shooting everything she did. And then I got a little funny editing software and I started editing, you know, very, very basic stuff. And, um, and then I realized, you know, this, these are actually, they're, they're nice, you know, I, I like this, I enjoy this. And um, my, my two best friends, at the time, um, two years after I had Zaro, they both had my two godsons. Um, weirdly, for two men in the army named Richard. I kid you not, <laughs> right? And I said to myself, you know, what could I give them as a gift? And I said, you know, hey, oh, here's an idea. I could probably do a little maternity photo shoot for them. With my little Canon G15, mm. no, it was not a professional grade, photo, you know, camera. Right. But it gave you fairly good, you know, output. So I was like, yeah, you know, I, I'm going to do this. And I actually started planning the shoots and all of that and did it. And um, I did the first one and I sent it to um, Marcus Golding. He's a very, very good friend of mine, brother, really. He's my son's godfather. Um, and I said, tell me what you think. And I remember he said to me that evening, He's very involved in church. I go to Bethel Baptist Church. Um, and he's just like, look, um, I'm at rehearsals because he's a drummer. And he's, he's, he's a whole heap of things. He's like, when I finish, I call you. I look at it and I call you. And he called me back, Sean. And all I could hear was screaming in the other. <laughs> and I was like, what is wrong with you? Why are you screaming at me like, yo, damn blood. And I was like, what are, we, what are you talking about? He's like, yo, yo, the picture of them look, them shot. Them really look good. And I was like, all right, well, that's how, all right, you know, but, you know, still, it's like, you're a hobbyist. And I kept, I started to feel as I continued to shoot that that little gap that was around the circle in the square peg right. started filling out. Right. And I was like, I really love this. I really love this. And, um, but, you know, again, I'm an HR corporate animal. There's no crossing over. There's no, yeah. you know, what, what am I going to do with that? Stay in this lane. Yeah, you know, because that's what will pay you. This not going to pay you. And um, I remember I did the second shoot with my other best friend. And the results were lovely as well. And I remember I really started now kind of feeling an itch because I was like, Ah, is this really something to follow up with or is this like just a passing thing? And I remember my former manager, Dr. White at the time, she was doing coaching and she said to me, um, I had a conversation with her and she's just like, these are fantastic. I said, thank you. And she's just like, I think you need to do something with it. And I was like, you are my corporate manager telling me to go out and do something with it. <laughs> Photography. I didn't expect to hear this from you. No, she's like, but why not? There's nothing that says you can't do both. You see that? Yeah. I think it opened my mind up to a whole other level of possibilities because I think we're always just so straight jacketed yeah. into 
This is your path. To do one thing only. You must do one thing only. Yeah. And I didn't realize it at the time, but that was my first step into really discovering that I wasn't just suited for one thing. And I didn't know what that was called. And <laughs> I didn't, I just knew there's more. And then that whole thing just started a heck of a chain reaction for me because I'm like, but that means I can do, I can do other things that I like too. I right. can, I can do this and I can do that and I can, and I can, and I can, and, and I think I just kind of started layering things on as I was going, but HR and photography remained my two main areas of focus. Right. And even when she said this to me, she's like, why not? Um, I said, all right, but then I have no clue how to even start out as a serious photographer. I, and I'm going up against the likes of, and there were so many right. greats in the space. Right. Um, you know, and I was just like, wow, you know, how do you, how do I even transition? Plus I have zero technical know-how for photography. I'm not a, I'm not a scientific photographer. Right. I'm a, I shoot from my, it sounds corny, but I shoot from my heart. Yeah. And if I don't feel something when I look at an image, no matter how well exposed it is, no matter how, you know, how, how, you know, properly aligned it is and oh you're seeing this and oh you know it's in you know you're making you're looking at the rule of thirds and you're looking at all these technical things if i don't feel literally feel moved by the image yeah. it it could be pretty no it could it no matter it mm. don't matter to me it really doesn't move me so it, it it just comes out to nothing really um and so i said you know i don't know that there's a space for me with all of these technical giants and um, I say, you know what? There's a thing about just staying in your lane <laughs> and keeping your head straight and looking at what you're doing. Right. And it's okay that there are other people playing in that same space. There's always space for you. Exactly, exactly. There's only one you. And even if it's five people that like what you do and want what you do, you are a legitimate player in that space. Mm -hmm. And you need to feel legitimate. Um, and so I started. And just like God kickstarted you with accidentally putting you out there, mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and your podcast just went out long before you were ready. It was the same thing with me. Um, I started you now shooting for friends and mm -hmm. saying, oh, you know, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. And then Rochelle Foster mm -hmm. and Andrew Hammond were getting right. married. And um, I said to them, you know, I can do your engagement um, photo shoot. Mm -hmm. Again, coming with my little G15, that is, <laughs> you know, like anybody walking up and see me taking pictures with that would be like, you are joking. But when she saw the images, she's just like, you know, you're shooting the wedding, right? I'm like, you have got to be kidding i said do you know what people will think of you not even me you if you have a big big photographer come up in a year wedding come shoot with this they're gonna laugh at all of us and she said i don't care you're gonna do the photo the, the photos yeah. and that was my first wedding and i said there's no way i'm going to do this wedding it's not possible not with this um, so here's what I'm going to do. I use my little brain, my little entrepreneurial brain, and I draw from my brethren, Marcus. I'm going to say, look, I'm going to subcontract to this wedding. Mm -hmm. And I'll stick around and learn from you. And um, he was just like, all right, yeah, no problem. Um, because, of course, he has all the equipment. He has everything. So I was like, yeah, just go for it. I'll be there. And my best friend, Tino, one of my best friends, um, we were coming up to bonus period. <laughs> they got married like right as my bonus was going to be paid. And um, I really started second guessing myself and saying, I really think I should actually go and get a proper camera, you know, because if I'm going to be serious about this, I'm going to need real equipment. Yeah. And I mean, I don't know. The bonus is coming in, right? It's going to eat up all of my bonus, by the way. But maybe this is a sign. And I said, you know what? I just took a chance and I ordered the camera a week and a half before the wedding on Amazon. 
I thought I was really, really crazy. I was like, all right, clearly I have money to dash with because I'm actually trying to ship this thing in as opposed to, it didn't even click to me that I could have actually bought a plane ticket and gone and taken it down for cheaper than right. what yeah. I paid to, to bring it in. Yeah. But I was thinking, maybe if I get it in on time, mm-hmm. I can have Marcos shoot it mm-hmm. and I can still do something and start to learn. Right. I have to step out. Right. And I was like, but my bonus aren't going to be paid until like near their actual wedding day. And then my girlfriend was like, I'll give you the money. Buy a camera. Mm-hmm. And she did. And I remember she sent me, she sent the money to me. And when I looked at the, the, um, the, the note that she put with the transaction, it, was, it says dreams come true. Nice, nice, I was like, nice. all right, thank you. I have some amazing people in my corner. So that, that I mean, I, I have them to thank for almost everything. Um, and so I went and I bought the camera and I was like, all right, based on my calculations, the camera should come in on Thursday. I should be able to get the camera on Thursday. The wedding is on Saturday. Mm-hmm. I should be able to sit down with Marcos and Marcos, I'm going to ask you to just take me through how mm-hmm. this whole thing works. I've never used a DSLR in my life. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, it, 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 it's close, but it can work. I cleared the camera on Saturday <laughs> at 11 o'clock. That shipped me. And I was like, well, forget that plan. (laughs) So clearly Marcus is going to shoot this whole wedding on his own. And um, he looked at me and he said, no, you're going to shoot this wedding. I'm going to be a backup. I said, you're a joker. You see something, just get the thing out of the box. I'm going to tell you something (laughs) I never used one before. And he's just like, all right, let's do this. And I went to his house and we opened the box and we said, okay, dear Lord, Please guide us today. <laughs> and he we said a prayer. And then he was just like, all right, Carrie, this is a DSLR. This is how you put it together. This is how you pull this apart. This is how you do this. This is how you put it. This is where the battery goes. This is how you turn it on. This is how you, this is how you, this is how you, this is how you. And it was like a crash course of about 15 minutes yeah. or 20 minutes in how to use this hell of a piece of very intimidating equipment. Right. And um, he said, all right, well, just shoot in auto. You don't need to learn all the basics yeah, yeah. about manual shooting right now. You just need to shoot. And he said, I'm serious. I'm not the lead shooter today. You are. Mm-hmm. And again, I thank him for that. And I shot the wedding in auto. But I shot the wedding. He backed me up. And at the, the, the wedding um, coordinator who was there, um, she did the wedding, Joanne, um, mm-hmm. from Wedding Bells. When I got by the pictures and I sent them to Rochelle, she sent them on to her mm-hmm. and she called me. She said, what are your prices? Nice. I said, prices? <laughs> I don't have any prices. She's <laughs> like, well, you need to get some together. I'm going to start sending you some clients. Nice. It nice. frightened the hell out of me, Sean. And she's very connected. And she, and she was amazing. Yeah. And for like, I mean, she used me for so many different things and she just started feeding people my way. Um, she, she, she made me come out and do the, uh, well, I sponsored the, um, uh, you know, like they have these wedding expos right. um, in Mobe and I, she's like, you're going to do the, the wedding, the onsite wedding. Mm-hmm. You're going to do this. You're going to, and she just started. And some of my most amazing friends who I've gained over the years as, you know, as being their photographer that just became friends right. were through that relationship. I was not ready. I was far from ready. And then I was also working. So now this now became grind a morning, grind a night. You know, you're at work, I'm doing my day job, and then I come home and I'm putting my daughter to bed and then I'm editing through the night. And then I was just doing that. And I was like, yo, you know, you only have so many (laughs) days to live. You might as well make the most of it, right? And um, that happened. And then... It just started building and it went from wedding photography to portraits to lifestyle photography to it just started kind of building out. And then um, I had a cousin who was running, who was doing Airbnbs and he's just like, I needed to shoot some some properties for me. I'm like, I've never shot a property before. He's like, I don't care. I've never done it either. <laughs> you have the camera. You're the better one to try. <laughs> and um, I started shooting properties and then I realized I actually developed a thing for shooting properties. None of this. I have zero um, traditional training in photography. But you know what's funny? There are two things in your story, right? That I think that I don't know when it happens, but there's something that happens 
in the transition from being child or childlike to adult where the most important things that we know we know or we learn from observation mm-hmm. when you're a child you observe people walking and stuff like that and you mimic it right you drop a thousand times mm-hmm. but you learn right mm-hmm. and for some reason when we are adults we want to be trained mm-hmm. so we're told mm-hmm. okay for you to learn how to use this subscribe to this four-month course mm-hmm. versus just go drop just cut up yourself it. right and, and just figure try. it out right and and it's it, yes, there's obviously great benefits to formal schooling, etc. Obviously. Right. But everything that, has its place. Yeah, but that, that, that innate natural thing mm-hmm. to just learn really t- to learn, just to learn, we, we, we suppress it. Right. We suppress it because of fear, mm-hmm. because we think that you have to do it in a particular manner. Or as I said, if I'm not technically proficient, I can't do it. No, right. you can. Right. You can try, you can learn. And it's it's something that hopefully you know, as we all go through life, we recognize the value of just trying. Absolutely. Just trying. And even when you said at Port Authority where the superintendents threw you out there, mm-hmm. there's something I believe. I believe that when somebody comes fresh from high school or university into a job, throw them out there. Best Let learning them that they learn can. quickly right. versus, oh, you spend one month in this sector, one month, just, just, just try. Right. Just go out there and try. Right. And I think that's really important. And also, you are working, you had a child, you have a husband, you have, I do How this, have this, I not mentioned him? <laughs> Big up yourself, man. And you have this side gig, right? This in quote mm-hmm. side gig. Mm-hmm. And I think way too many of us, we look at, we look at one aspect of someone's life. So we say, wow, that person is doing so well. I would realize how much work it took to get there. Absolutely. Um, you know, they always say that an overnight success takes 10 to 15 years. Absolutely. It, it, it takes time. And you don't see when you're maybe out at a club or at a restaurant, enjoying yourself, that person is at home or Grinding. at the site working. Absolutely. They're working. And when somebody says, boy, but you know, um, have a job and I have a child, I can't do anymore. If you really want to, you will find that you'll time. Find out, yeah, exactly. You, you will can. find that capacity. It's it's not easy. It's not a walk in the park. But if you really want to build your business or learn a skill or whatever you want to do, you realize that maybe for this particular season of life, two hours of sleep is okay. Right. You know, for, for, for this year. Certainly not sustainable. Exactly. But, <laughs> but if that's what you need to do to start, do it. Yeah. Do yeah. it. And I will also share with you, just listening to how you, you, you know, what you said a while ago. Um, in addition to just learning by trying, and again, I'm a woman of faith, which I think you've probably picked up. And we know, right? Because you're a man of faith too, right? <laughs> of course. Right. Um, there's a certain amount of, um, of, of what we are placed here for. That's already in us. So it's not so much learning how to do it. It's learning how to bring it out. How to unlock it. How to unlock it. And so that was me. Photography was sleeping for me. For I started photography really in 2014, formally. Mm-hmm. How old was I in 2014? I was 32. No, we have this concept in our heads that the only the, the, the you can only start when you're 20 or 18 or 25 but by 30 you should be now properly entrenched in whatever it is that you're here to do for the rest of your life for the rest of your life foolishness yeah absolute rubbish you can discover something some innate ability that has been sleeping inside you for 50 years yeah and it's not too late to start because that's where you find your purpose. And I'm big on that. I am all about um, self-actualization. I am here for a reason. You're here for a reason. The best thing you can do, the best service you can provide to anybody, the best thing that you can do with your however many days you're allocated is to find out what that purpose is and throw yourself all in right coming back to what i think carlington said Mm -hmm. whatever it is that you have to do whatever it is that god has placed in you to do for the time that he's allotted you 
do it to the best of your ability. If you're serving water, do it to the best of your ability. If yeah. it whatever it is, do it to the best of your ability and throw yourself all in. Learn its secrets. Dig in. Try to really understand and master that thing. Being good at it isn't enough. If yeah. you really want to be the best at it, you have to go beyond your comfort zone and you have to pull as much out of yourself as you can while you can. And I'll tell you why I'm emphasizing the while you can in a minute. Um, there's just so much in you that it's... It, it, the, the biggest travesty for me is someone who dies having never lived. Yeah. And that's where that traditional path is going to keep me. Yeah. I would never have known. But thankfully, he placed people along my path. From Zara being born, to my boss telling me why not, to my best friend who loaned me the money to get the camera, to Rochelle who said to me, you're going to shoot my wedding. All of these things were orchestrated. None of this was by accident. All of this was to happen, and it was to happen after I hit 30. And that's okay. And so my life story really starts then. Before that, it was just going along the way that everybody said it was supposed and to. And the reality is, is that you also chose to listen. A lot of us get those signs, get that person who was like, try it out. Mm -hmm. and you're like, because nah, of fear I can't bother, or right? whatever else. But nah. You listened, you listened. Mm. And you said something that I think is so important, which is to put your all into it. Um, to me, to me, it comes back to leverage, right? So leverage is the difference between inputs and outputs, right? And so if you know how to do something at level one, mm -hmm. then you have a one-to-one -one ratio of you, I work one hour to get one hour of output. But if I learn it so well, that means I can work for one minute mm -hmm. to get five hours of output, right? Right. Additionally, the power of learning different things. So you're at a port, you're port security, a port authority, mm -hmm. then HR, mm -hmm. then photography. All of that matters because the reality is that when you speak to someone, you have all these inputs experience. in your head now right. out of experience right. so knowledge. that you can you can give your your ability to input into somebody can gain greater outputs. That's right. And therefore every every hour of work that you do is multiplied by infi infinity because you have learned all these random things that seem random right. but they are applicable to life. Right. And you are choosing to deep, deep dive deep into a particular skill set. That's right. It's really important. Right. And not just is your ability, you know, um, multiplied by infinity, but the amount of persons you can touch. Yeah. And help and groom and mentor and uh, impact in some way. Even if it's a five-minute conversation. Yeah. Um, a lot can change in five minutes for somebody. Yeah. And so I, I wrote something... <laughs> actually started writing on LinkedIn, doing articles on LinkedIn, which was part of my jump out and <laughs> just do it, yeah. you know, um, because I love writing. That's another side of me that, um, you know, I've always just kind of said, ah, yeah, I, I like it. But I say, you know what, let me take all, just like you said, all these bits and pieces of exposure and experience and knowledge that I've garnered. Because I've really just become a repository for certain types of information right. from different disciplines. And I'm again, it's what makes me very unique. And I realize, okay, so I could actually help other people. And that was when I learned the word multipotentialite. Ah. And it just changed my life. I was like, that's what I am. <laughs> it makes sense now. And, um, you know, that, that, has, that has really impacted how I look at life. A multipotentialite? That's right. Okay. So it means that I... I realize that I have an aptitude for several things mm -hmm. and I have a passion for several things. And so, and I embrace them. I don't, I don't just turn a blind eye and say, you know, that's not a part of this path. Mm -hmm. So it becomes a distraction. No, I actually say, well, what else can I do? Yeah. How else can I? And then what I've been able to do, interestingly, which again, I thank God for, is that I've been able to kind of almost um, collapse all these things that I love doing into these two areas that, um, I've, as I say, are my main focal areas, which is HR and photography. I love interior design. How did I start pulling that in? when I do photography for properties, I stage them. Mm. 
So I get to go, fix it up, do whatever, <laughs> kick out the people and things, yeah. <laughs> change up the thing. Because I know what, what, um, what will pull a guest who's looking right. in. Why? Did I tell you I was also an Airbnb host for five years? <laughs> how did that? And look at how I pull it in now into yeah. my photography. Because again, having been a seasoned host, I know what people are looking for. Yeah. So I know I'm able to present that value to you as my client to upsell your space, yeah. highlighting those things. Um, and that's where, that's my value proposition. Yeah. So I'm not just a photographer. I've been there. I know, I know what it is to deal with a difficult guest. Yeah. I know what they're looking for. I know how they, they want the beds to look. I know what they want to see in the fridge. I know what they want to see in the cupboards. I know what they want to do when they're here. You know, so, so, you feed all of that. Yeah. And, I, and I tell stories. That's what I do. Mm-hmm. So even in the shooting of a property, I am dropping in a magazine that showcases somewhere in Jamaica. And I'm taking a picture of that magazine right. on the table beside right. a drink. And so I'm now creating an experience for you. Just by looking at it, you think to yourself as a guest, oh, this is not just a pretty space. I, I can see myself here doing that thing. Right. And so, you know, that helps. Um, I love serving people. I love making people happy. I love, um, you know, making people feel their best, like their best selves. So again, on the photography side, my, I, I always say to my clients or my potential clients, I'm not, in other words, I'm not just a photographer. You're not just here to take pictures. You're here for an adventure. Mm-hmm. And we are going to have so much fun doing it. I have a, session where I sit with my clients long before the photo shoot and we plan it. You don't just drop in front of me on the day of the photo shoot and right. I, hey, hi, I'm Carrie, I'm a photographer. <laughs> How are you? Okay, what do you want me to do? Yeah. You know, we plan everything from outfits to makeup to hair to this to that. If it's families, what the kids are going to wear, what kind of props you're going to include, where you want to do this, where we're going to go. And not just that, I try to use locations that are also fun to be in places that you probably wouldn't have thought of going to to do photos and then it becomes just a journey that's fun to get to the place then the photo the, the pictures are taken and you're you're in your your element and you look fabulous and you feel good and then you see the photos and you're just like blown away oh my gosh is this me i've had so many people ask me that yeah. so then they leave me now not just feeling like oh yeah i went to this girl and did some photos no i went with this photographer to this place I'd never been to before. I did this. I felt my best. I looked fantastic. She made me feel like a million dollars. And then I got these really, really lovely pictures. And I just feel so good about myself. I've said to people, if I never have picnic for pay school fee, I have to go to supermarket, I would do it for free. And if you ever want to know for sure whether you love something or something is your passion, think about it that way. Would you do it? even if you weren't being paid yeah. for it. If the answer is yes, it's not just a job. Yeah. It is a passion. It's what and drives it's, you. It's what drives you. Um, and, uh, you know, so, so there's that side. And then on the HR side of me, which you and I had kind of discussed mm. when we met up that day, is that I, <laughs> on the corporate side of me, I just see so many persons, particularly young people, I have a passion for young people entering the workforce because I feel like they just don't have enough guidance. Correct. There is just nothing that is properly preparing you for stepping, moving, transitioning from school and all that is school and what school means and being a kid to transitioning to a full-on adult workspace where... No fun and games anymore. The real world. The real world hits you. And a lot of kids, especially coming out of this ridiculous pandemic, um, and, and even before that, because our children, or even after our, after our, our you know, our generation, um, you know, um, of your parents just leave you outside for play and run up and down. If you drop, you yeah. drop, and you chip up yourself. <laughs> and da, 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 da. You have this generation of children well, they were children back then, mm. coming out, having been coddled and given everything 
and everything them do, you celebrate it. If them come 10th in the race, <laughs> it's okay, honey, you did your best. <laughs> and so they come out with this entitlement mentality that everything they do needs to be celebrated and that people are going to be just as supportive as the people that were in their households yeah. when they were growing up. And then they get out into the real world and they're, they're blindsided. They nobody, have no clue how to deal. You. Nobody cares about you and your thing where you just do and feel like, say, so yeah, you're wicked. No, nobody cares. Um, and then there's also a way to present yourself. There's a way to market yourself. There's a way to, to, to speak volumes before you even say good afternoon when you step into that interview room. I think that it's, it's a balance that I think that we need to step in and let them know. So, Absolutely. yes. There's nothing wrong with work from home. There's nothing wrong with dressing casual to work. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with speaking in patois. There's yes. nothing wrong with any of right. that. But the reality the is, if you if you don't know how to present yourself first, if you're if you're if your default mode is I'm going to wear my comfortable clothes to the interview, or my default was I'm going to speak in patois in the interview because I'm comfortable with that. Because I'm comfortable, you you, you don't realize that that may not be acceptable for that particular environment. And you rob yourself of the opportunity to do all that stuff exactly. after you've gotten a job because you exactly. never got a job. Exactly. So, you know, so 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 there's that. Um, there is, there is, there is again to the HR kind of, I probably think I should probably become, uh, start doing some training to be a coach and just add something else to the crazy <laughs> bag of things should. that I have. Um, there's, there's a whole other thing to supporting the, you asked me what how is how, how am I feeling? What's my mental state like today? Um, I find having I mean I, I mean I, I did 14 years in corporate before I stepped out um, to 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 live <laughs> the the multipotential life, um, you know, wholly and solely. Um, I realized that work. So there was this concept in the 1950s of you being a cog in this machinery that is your company. Mm-hmm. And uh, sadly, with all of the, um, the advancements, the new schools of thought, everything that has happened over the years, at the end of the day, it's very sad that although we're making steps in the right direction, there's still this concept that you are just a cog yep. in this machinery we yep. call whatever company you yeah. work in. And that that concept does not doesn't really, I think, serve to either unlock the true potential of the people working there because you're there to do a job. You're there to do this, 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 and this. And in some companies, you're there to do th- people's jobs yeah. <laughs> yeah. and get paid, you know, for one of them um, or whatever it is. But we're getting there now, but we're not getting there fast enough there isn't much of a consideration for who is in the job. Is this person really the right person for the job? Are you the right fit for the job? Is the job the right fit for you? A lot of people spend years being frustrated, but getting a paycheck and then they leave and they're like, I wasted half my life at this company. And that is, so yes, I do believe that there is an, there may be an onus on the company to care like that that i guess that is the role of hr but to me not just hr leaders leaders correct leaders for me the bigger the bigger concern is someone who is in the workforce so, so i i push entrepreneurship mm-hmm. and i think because i push entrepreneurship yeah, people think that i have an issue with being an employee i don't no i have no issue with someone being an employee my issue is when persons don't realize that they have control over their lives. So mm-hmm. if you're going to be an employee, it should be by choice. Right. It should be, you should know that if you're unhappy, you can leave. Right. You don't have to stay somewhere for 10, 15, 20, 25 years. Right. And so my issue is less about being an employee. It's more about not realizing that you have control over your life. You are your own brand. When somebody Absolutely. asks you who you are, you shouldn't say, I am an employee at this place. He said, I am Sean Reed, and I happen to work here. That's as right. Well as this as this well isn't as your identity. And so, unfortunately, not many leaders in companies have that EQ 
to be able to help you along that path. Correct. And so who along the journey will let you know that you can be your own person is, is a big question because school is not doing it. Right. And if you have leaders who don't know better in the workplace, they aren't doing it. Right. So at what point do you learn, hey, I can be my own person? The home. Fair enough. Yeah. And that's, that's also a tricky one because depending on the generation that your parents came mm-hmm. from, that may not even be a consideration. Right. My parents, up until 2018, were of the opinion that I needed to work until I was 60 and pay my dues and get a pension and retire. How, what, was their, what, <laughs> what was their reaction to you stepping out? Are you crazy? So, no. Okay. The reason I stepped out is, why, is when they started listening. Okay. And I'll get to that. Okay. <laughs> you okay. know? Um, mine was life or death. Okay. So that's when they're like, oh, you know, I'm not sure this is going to work for her. <laughs> Let's okay. try and see if we can support her, you know, in, in finding other ways to do this because mm. how she's doing it now isn't tenable. Okay. Um, or sustainable rather. So I think I, you touched on some fantastic points because it really is a two-part thing. The company, at the end of the day, what is its purpose? It's to make money. Mm. It's to make a profit. Not just money. It's to make a profit. At the end of the day, stop feeling like your company owes you anything other than to pay you. As per contract. As per contract. That's it. Yes, it is. Some companies are more enlightened. Some leaders, not the companies. Companies are made of people. So let's not talk about the companies if it's an inanimate object. It's the leaders, Mm. right? The building is the building. Leader, some leaders are more enlightened and more empowered and more empowering and will say, hey, I want to, un- I feel like my job as a good leader is mm. to unlock your highest potential. Right. But even when they're doing that, it's still for the company. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Even if it's not 100% for the company, yeah. the company going to benefit. <laughs> so, you know, you, 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 you absolutely have to realize that it's on you. And gone are the days where you identify as the place that you were. It's, it's a part of your identity. Yeah. No, you are, as part of all that is you, you are a, whatever your occupation mm-hmm. is, and you are employed to whichever company you're employed to at the moment. You may leave and be still a whatever it is mm-hmm. that your occupation is at another company. Right. You may, just like your friend did, Leave and be another thing at another company. There's so many things that can happen. And that is the very reason why I'm all for exploring your passions, no matter what they are, no matter how many of them there are, as long as it doesn't burn you out. That's the caveat. I am not a (laughs) very good example right now because I have been burnt out quite a bit, but I'm having a lot of fun doing it. So, (laughs) you know, that's my balance. But um, I absolutely think that somebody needs to, share that with them and change the narrative because other than that we're just going to keep doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result and you know what that is the definition of madness so you know so i do feel like i have a role of some sort to play even though i'm not still physically in a nine-to-five to guide who i can guide whoever will listen as in that's the reason why I started the LinkedIn articles right. and the, 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 you know, putting things out there yeah. because I'm not doing it because I want. Somebody asked me just the other day, I was doing a photo shoot on Saturday and a virgin of mine said to me, oh, yeah, man, you start writing articles now because, you know, you want to up your, 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 your HR consultant to work. And I initially I said yes, but that really wasn't the reason because I have no problem giving away as much information as I can without making a dollar. If it means that you can listen and it can change your life in a positive way, it can put you on a different tra- trajectory than where you were initially aiming. Um, if it means that it can bring meaning to what you're doing physically on your 9 to 5 or your 8 to 8 or your 12 to 12 or whatever it is that you're doing. Um, if it means that it will open your eyes to the fact that whatever you're doing right now is not serving you and that you need to move, I'm happy to do it. I think that I would love to find out from a psychologist what happens at at 40 because the amount of people who I've spoken to who have said that something about turning 40 has made them want to give back want to help the other generation just want to and Mm -hmm. that's that's why I'm doing this podcast it's just to help somebody else and 
I don't know what it is. I'm sure there may be some kind of psychological reason behind it. But you just, like, for me, I feel as if, okay, you've made certain mistakes. You probably realize that if you had turned left a little bit earlier in life, mm-hmm. you know, what could have happened. And so it's like, I just want to help somebody else. Right. Just say, look, trust me, just just try. Right. Just take the leap, book it all, but just do something different. And right. don't follow the crowd. Don't follow whatever I say you should do. I mean, he spoke about even you talk yourself out of it in terms of there are other photographers out there. Why should I try? Mm-hmm. But the reality is, is that why not try? Right. Why exactly. not? And and if you could if you could help somebody else along that journey, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you know, oh my goodness, I'm getting old. This 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 is probably the other thing that happens at fourteen. <laughs> Instead, I'm just wanting to give back. Um, I lost my train of thought a little bit. <laughs> Um, but, um, I think, oh, I was saying that I think it is important. In fact, it's incumbent on us, Sean, to do this. Why? We are a very specific, um, in other words, we are a part of a generation that falls right smack in between, um, boomers, and Jen, whatever they're yeah, at now. Yeah, yeah, And so we have to become a reference point. Yeah. Because our parents' reference points are a little dated now. Yeah. It just absolutely has not. Look, if you've had to raise a kid in a <laughs> pandemic, you see, if you didn't have to raise a kid in a pandemic, you have nothing to say to yeah, me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or at least that's how I'd like to think. Yeah. No, that's not actually true. But you know what I mean. It's a very different set of skills that's required yeah, to yeah. do life. Yeah. And I think the pandemic, I, I, I used to tease that we'd, we'd now start um, saying um, BP and AP before the pandemic yeah. and after the pandemic because it literally, I've never seen anything that has just on a global scale, yeah. just totally rewritten how yeah. we do life, not yeah. just how we work, not just how we everything. socialize, everything. everything. How we raise our children, how we socialize with each other, our spouses or yeah. whomever, our best friends or whatever. How Even we, something as simple what, as when you come to somebody's house, washing your hands. Washing your hands, you know, whether you want to keep on a mask or not or whatever it is, um, you know, or, or you know, just just even how you work. That is another thing that has pushed a lot of people out. Yeah. You talk, you're hearing a lot of talk about quiet quitting. It's been yeah. happening for years, yeah. but it was intensified when people started realizing, oh my goodness, I'm sitting at my computer. I no longer have the boundaries of my regular workspace. Mm-hmm. So now my work, working hours have extended mm-hmm. from eight to whatever time yeah. because I don't have to get up and go anywhere. I don't, yeah. I'm not battling the traffic so my company is getting more out of me yeah. they start to realize because they're also going through depression a lot of people went through depression yeah. the only way to build your way out of it is to get out of the situations that are making you depressed and a lot of people realized yeah. wait my job really isn't the best thing about my life right now yeah and then they start to feel but i can change this again a lot of the but I can change this came from millennials yeah. because we're used to, I say we because we're, 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 we are millennials. We are. We're just, we're, 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 we're on the cusp, right? Yeah. We're, we're first generation millennials. Yeah. Um, we came from the generation of why not? If I want to do it, I'm going to do it. Yeah. And so that's exactly why I think it's incumbent on us to be kind of the, the, what's the word, the, the, the flag bearers then for the generations coming after mm-hmm. us to provide that point of reference, yeah. um, to say, okay, look, you know, here are some of the lessons that we've learned from the generations before us that are still applicable, that you as a, a second, third generation millennial have no idea about. That's okay, I'm here to help. Thank you so much for listening to this conversation. If you enjoyed it, and you want to dive into a similar What Next episode, check out the links in the podcast description or head to the whatnextpodcast.com. And remember, make it your mission to make somebody else's day better.